Hi everybody, I'm so glad you could join us. You might want to know where we are. We're actually in the home of our producer, Matthew Johnson. Uh, he's, he's actually sitting at the computer and has, has sharpened things and making things look good and we appreciate him. And Man, I appreciate Eric again and, and leading us in songs. Hopefully you were able to sing out in the safety and security of your living room and just letting it bellow out those praises to God. Uh, I, honestly, I don't like this. I, I love being in Matthew and Annie's home. They have everything looking so nice, and it smells good here. If only you could smell this. Uh, um, but um, I would rather be with you. I would rather be gathering today on Sunday. Matter of fact, I, I kind of realized that yesterday I was pulling out of our driveway and heading down the street, and the oncoming vehicle was actually the Heilman's, Chris and Tiana. And I almost got giddy. Rolled down my window and my arm was waving. I, I don't know whether they thought I was trying to wave him down. I was just waving at him. It was so good to see uh, folks from the church. And uh, throughout the week, we've been making phone calls and trying to make contacts, but nothing uh, can compare to being face-to-face. -face. There's handshakes, oh man, the hugs and, and things of, of being together. I miss that. This is our new reality, and we don't know how long it's going to be. Um, we question whether we'll be together next week. Our hope is that, but uh, until the concerns of this virus passes, this is, this is going to be our Sundays for a while. So uh, next week we'll let you know online and, uh, or, or through phone calls. We'll, we'll let people know whether we're going to do this uh, once again. Uh, it's ironic, but I'm beginning a new series with you this morning, and it is called New Reality. Uh, now, it's not the new reality is the fact that we can't gather together or the circumstances I have to do this over YouTube. Uh, this new reality actually comes from this perspective of the, the difference in, in a new relationship that we have with God that comes through Jesus Christ. That is a new reality that we begin to live it every day. Uh, I actually have taken it from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Matter of fact, this series is going to be over the book of, of uh, 1 Corinthians. So you might keep that in mind and even take into reading uh, portions of scripture as we prepare and look uh, through this. But 1 Corinthians 15 Verses 1 through 4 says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. And here's the gospel he lays out. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. I'm going to go back to that first verse because I believe that's our new reality. Paul is telling the Corinthians, here's what I preached to you. I preached to you the gospel. You received it and, and now you've taken your stand upon it. That's the life of believers. That this gospel of message, this gospel message of Jesus is what we now live by. It is, it is his death, which is on behalf of our sins. It is his resurrection that, that has become our new reality. 
Now in this book of Corinthians, to the Corinthians, this first book of Corinthians, uh, Paul actually addresses four topics that each of the next, uh, to beginning today and, and through the next three weeks, we're going to address each of those topics because I think it's things that we need to either remind ourselves or be challenged by or even corrected in. And so today, I, we're actually beginning in the four, first four books of 1 Corinthians. In those four books, he addresses one topic. That topic can be found in chapter 1, verse 1. He addresses the, the Corinthians as being people who are sanctified and holy before God, who, who have come to that through the grace found in Jesus Christ. And in verse 10, he gives them this instruction. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Now, our new reality is in Jesus, that our new reality in Jesus calls us to unity that we be unified. And the first point I wanna uh, draw us to this morning is that this unity we're called to is established in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that actually Paul mentioned in verses three or four in chapter 15. It really is simple, isn't it? It's the foundation for which we stand upon. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ and it is that Jesus died for our sinfulness and that he was raised to live. He was buried and now raised to life. And, and so that is what we stand upon. And that is what the message that we are united into. I wanna think about the Corinthians for just a second. I want you to know that they were a very diverse people. It was a Roman, Roman city of Corinth and, and it was under Roman law, it was Roman culture, it was Roman uh, religion, which was emperor worship, but it was also a Greek city. Prior to Romans rebuilding it, it was a predominantly a Greek city. It was a Greek city. And so in Corinth, there was this Greek culture as well. Now, Greek culture brought, to, uh, especially right now, this thing of, of philosophers, and their focus was knowledge or Gnosticism. And so that was pretty prominent in this culture as well. And also in this city were Jews. We especially know that if you want to look the, the beginnings of, of the Corinthian people or, or the Corinthian faith that came from Paul, Acts chapter 18. You can read there where Paul comes in and he entered into the synagogue and he taught the Jews first. He began to reason with them and talk about Jesus. Many of them, there were some who accepted, many rejected. So that, that's the Corinthian. They were very diverse, many directions. Their, their religion was different, culture was so mixed. And into, into this city came Paul to deliver the gospel message. And a number of them believed, both Jews and Greeks made up this church. And they became united in that message. Matter of fact, in chapter two, it also says they're united in that spirit uh, of God. Um, verse, verse 12 specifically talks about we, don't, we no longer have the spirit of the world, but we have that spirit that God has given us, a uh, spirit of wisdom. So there's, there's a unity that comes from that. Uh, we're a diverse church as well. We think about uh, uh, maybe even locations. You know, we come from different states. Possibly there are some 
I've known in the past who've, who've come from different nations. We definitely have come out of different households. Uh, we might have come from households of faith, or, or, or we, we might not have known Jesus till, till later in life. The, the truth is all of us have different and unique stories, but we are, as, as Christians, as believers, we all come standing upon that one foundation of this gospel message, Jesus, his death for our sins, and his resurrection. And, and we build from there. Paul, again, Paul's concern was, hey, we need to be like-minded, having the same thought, and it's encircled and built upon that foundation. He calls them to. We have that opportunity to be united in Jesus. Now, the reason there's four chapters is because it wasn't simply, hey, I need you to be united. Paul is addressing a problem with the Corinthians. They were, uh, they were not united. As a matter of fact, they were divided. The second point I want to especially focus on this, this morning is, is this fact that the unity that we're called to cannot exist if we are still worldly, if we're still of the world. Matter of fact, as Paul, directly after he gives that command in verse 10, he identifies, man, I've heard there's problems there. there there's divisions. There's some of you that are, that are calling uh, or saying you, you're followers of Paul or your followers of Apollos, or, or I follow Cephas, who is Peter, or I follow Christ. He addresses that again in chapter 3 and saying, you're divided. I don't think this is simply just aligning our, themselves. There was, there was actually pride involved in, and, and people dividing themselves amongst these leaders. Think about it. One was saying, hey, there was a group saying, hey, we belong to Paul. Paul's the one who brought us this message originally, and, and Paul is the guy. He's the guy that we're following after. Or Apollos. We understand Apollos to be a great teacher. I, I imagine that he spoke very well, um, uh, perhaps a, a great orator, and people enjoyed listening to him, and, and perhaps they were realizing some depth of, of what they were learning through Apollos. Uh, and then there was others who were bragging about Peter. Hell, Peter, we, we sat at the feet of Peter, who actually sat at the feet of Jesus and talked about, you know, things of the, the time when he walked on the water and, 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 and Jesus called me out and I walked on the water and began to sink. And, and, and then he was able to, to share directly the very words of Jesus. And then there was that group who, who rightly said, we're of Christ. But what problem is there with that? I think it's in the fact that they're proud of it and, and they're boasting it. And each one, great guys, and yet they were divided. Matter of fact, the passage in chapter 3 says that, that hey, the, he identified the problem is you're worldly. You're worldly. Because there's jealousy and divisions, it identifies that that you're you're not uh, you're, you're not of, of this, this foundation uh, of the gospel at all. You're, you're still living in, in, in this worldliness. You're not taking that stand. In the scripture, Paul calls them immature. He identifies that they're immature because of their jealousy and quarreling. He says, I should be giving you meat by now. Instead, you're still on the milk of the word. You're still coming to this understanding. I think the real problem was they're, they're forgetting themselves. They're forgetting that they came through Christ all through the same avenue. The fact 
that if they had any unifying factor at all before they knew Christ, it was that they were all sinful. And that through Christ, they've come to know and come into a relationship, a right relationship with God. They, they didn't create this. They didn't build this. What, what do they have to be proud about? What are they, what are they bragging about? They, they, they are united in Christ and they can find value in those who have delivered the message. Man, I come from a congregation that, that there's some great men who've been preachers uh, for a long time. And I, I'm so thankful for that. But the, what unites us, each one of us, has been always the message. That's the one consistent. And it will continue on when I'm gone. The one consistent message needs to be that gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and we're not bragging about who we are. We're, we are bragging about the Savior. We're boasting in Jesus and what he's done for us. That's the position that we now hold. The other problem that I think is clearly identified with the, the Corinthians is they were arrogant. They were arrogant. Um, it actually comes to this place of saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, Paul addresses this top, this, this very clearly. He says, it comes to a sarcastic tone. And he says, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign. And that without us, how I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. Paul, Paul is, is saying, man, you've got everything you want. And, and, and in their arrogance, they pretty much are claiming that they're already at some kind of pinnacle, some kind of uh, top that, that even goes beyond where Paul himself is. He said, man, I, if, if we could only reign with you. They're, they're taking thrones, something that we're not going to receive until Jesus comes again or until we see Jesus face to face. They're, we're not completed. We're not finished. We continue to live in this flesh. Matter of fact, Paul identifies, here we are, apostles. Paul and the other apostles are, are still going through troubles. Let me continue on. Verse 9 says, For it seems to me that God has put us apostles as, on display at the end of a procession. They're at the end of the parade. Like those condemned to die in the arena, we have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. And that just isn't true. Like I said, I Paul has taken a sarcastic tone with him. I believe he's angry. Why do they, uh, what, for what reason do they have to be prideful? For what reason do they have to, to look at, at things or, or even individuals that were the ones who were delivering the message. You know, I, I, I wanna think about the things that, that cause us to be proud. Is it our name? Is it our identity? Are sometimes we, we proud of the name First Christian Church or the fact that we are Christians? You know, in our community, there's Christians, there's Nazarenes, there's Baptists, there's, there's those of the assembly. There are, there are a lot who believe in the same foundation that you and I have. Are we boasting because of our name? It shouldn't happen. We shouldn't have an arrogance about that. We are all in Christ, uh, worshiping in our different congregations. 
Um, we can be proud in our building. Uh, oh, man. And, and when it comes to, to, to changes and all the things that we're going through, oh, man, there could be a, a real division in what we're doing. But the, the truth is our building is, is a place where we gather where, where that gospel message is going to flourish and to be encouraged. So when it comes to that, the decisions that are being made needs to support that very foundational message, the one that we're all united in. We could be divided in our music, and we have been divided in our music in the past. You know, we've grown up in different things, different forms, different kinds of music, things we love. And I think we're growing in that. Uh, I appreciate Eric and how he has been very, pretty diverse in, in going to precious songs from, uh, from the Gospels that I even grew up with and, and bringing on new songs. The key ought to be what is, what is giving praise to God for what he's done through that Gospel message, that, that message of Jesus' death and his resurrection. Are we, are we singing praises? What's in the words? What's in the content? And, and learning us younger folks, I mean, the younger folks learning the older songs and appreciating them, and, and those who are older learning the, the newer songs and the messages that we're singing. We can't be divided in such things. We are called to be united together. The arrogance of, of the church. Uh, the word, the key word that I think I hear a lot of today concerning our political leaders and some uh, who lead around is narcissistic. Uh, are we a narcissistic church? The definition of narcissistic is extremely self-centered with an exaggerated sense of self-importance. Are we narcissistic? Are, are we self-centered? Oh man, Jesus does not have a church. If it's a tr true church, cannot be self-centered. We're called to be Christ-centered. Christ-centered. I, I wanna close with uh, just a passage that, that Paul wrote to the Philippians. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we live united? It begins with that foundation. And I, I, I believe it begins humbly in that position, knowing that it is because of our sinfulness that Jesus did die. And when we rejoice in the fact that he raised because we have the promise of resurrection as well. That again is the foundation which we live under or live upon, each one of us. It's what we embrace, it's what we worship, it's, it's where we pray. Here's, here are the words that, that Paul laid down to the Philippians, who makes it very clear how we ought to live our lives. It's Philippians chapter two, verses three through five. Here's what he says. In verse three, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Paul goes on to say, you know, Jesus who left the splendor and beauty of heaven to come into this world and to even take on the form of a, a servant, even to the point of taking the cross. Jesus is the one we're pursuing. Jesus is the one where we absolutely must be humble and in pursuit of. We usually have an invitation and, and some thinking behind this. Now, 
many of us feel that we are mature. But if we're, if we're in that place where we're arguing with others or taking perspective, we're better than, than this group or, or there's some arrogance about us, then Paul clearly says that you are immature. You're immature. And, and the call for us is to repent. And that can be done right where you are. I've always encouraged that, that if there's a place in our life that we need some repentance, I think it's good to come alongside maybe a brother or sister in Christ and just, just to identify that, hey, pray with me. Pray with me as I repent of this sinfulness and, and give me encouragement to, to maybe apply this Philippians chapter two, to think of others better than myself and to care for their needs and, and to be like Jesus. Uh, we're, we're praying. It is a pursuit, isn't it? isn't it? We can't say that we're like Jesus. This passage and looking through Corinthians encourages me to continue to pursue that life lived humbly for Jesus. Let me, let me pray with us now. Uh, let, let's pray together and, and uh, just ask God to continue to work in our lives and to continue to fashion us to be his people. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus always. We thank you for this gospel message which is central to who we are. It is what we stand upon. It is what we are growing into. Help us, Father, to be your church, not one that is self-centered, but one that is Christ-centered. We thank you so much, Lord, for the salvation that we have in Christ and the relationship we have with you. When it comes to the praise, when it comes to the joy, Father, it, it should always just break forth in praise to you and for what you have done. It is not from us. Lord, it is, it is a place that we were desperately in need and you you, uh, you, you solved that need. Or you, you gave that need through Jesus Christ. You supplied it to us and we thank you. Father, strengthen us. Help us to be your people. Humble us, Lord. Help us to pursue loving one another and, and seeking to serve and, and uh, uh, just honor you in everything. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.